Welcome to the Avi Unfiltered Podcast. I am Avishael, certified holistic health coach, certified raw food educator, and lifestyle expert. I have worked with clients all over throughout my years of health coaching. I have helped people lose weight without dieting, reverse disease, and find their paths in life. I now work with women all over, gain their energy back, get rid of their stress, drop those pounds through nutrition without sacrificing their food favorites and their authenticity. There's a few things you should know about me. I'm blunt as fuck. I don't adhere to societal norms. I don't have a rigid corporate mindset. And well, I don't give a fuck. You shouldn't give a fuck either. I'm not a vanilla daisy with a side of fluff. And this is the most unfiltered holistic health and wellness podcast. I will be interviewing top holistic health and wellness experts, spiritual healers, and discussing all health and wellness topics. I mean, I could sit here and talk about broccoli and its antioxidants and how it is a cruciferous vegetable or cinnamon and how its chemical constituent cinnamaldehyde has an effect on metabolism, but we are taking it a step further. You are going to be immersed in all things health, the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual aspects, your relationships, personal, interpersonal, and interdependent. We are going to completely overhaul your life for the better. Each week, we are pushing the envelope of what normal is. This is a judgment-free zone. Vanilla daisies and fluff muffins be gone. Grab your nutrient-dense donuts, your pizza with cheese made from nutritional yeast and other goodness, and a green juice because it's going to be just that juicy. Make sure you're subscribed to the Avi Unfiltered podcast and leave a review. Give some honest feedback as to how you love the podcast. If you know anyone that can benefit from this podcast, please feel free to share with them. Today's episode, Is It a Pandemic or a Plandemic, is all about the current crisis and about vaccines. Stay tuned because I have a very special guest joining me shortly on today's episode and she is an international expert on vaccines you don't want to miss this so i'm here with board certified osteopathic medical doctor from cleveland ohio she's the founder of tenpenny integrative medical center a clinic that specializes in holistic health and healing including breast thermography allergy relief and bioidentical hormones the clinical has patients from all over the world, and she is a practicing physician and cares for patients two and a half days per week. She is an internationally known expert on the problems associated with vaccines, and students from all over the world have become confident parents and articulate activists through her online educational courses founded at coursesformastery.com. She is an author of several books and a contributor to many more. She has done hundreds of television and radio interviews and is excited to be a guest on my show uh, as the voice for the health freedom. She's an outspoken and advocate for free choice in healthcare, including the right to refuse vaccines. And she is also a part of the exciting and informative docu-series, The Truth About Vaccines. Welcome Dr. Sherry Tenpenny to the Avium Filtered Podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's great. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you here. I've been following you for, I think, about four years now, and I'm just amazed at the work you do. 
educating and informing people. Thank you. Thank you yes. very much. So how did you get started with integrative health? Um, well, it depends on which part of the story you want to hear about that, really. I mean, I, I grew up in a chiropractic family. So I came from three generations of chiropractors where my grandfather, my father, three uncles and two cousins were chiropractors. And that's why I chose to be an osteopathic physician because an osteopath is an MD plus a chiropractor is the easiest way to explain it. So I wanted that tool in my toolbox. Then I was the director of a level two trauma center for 12 years where I was a board certified in emergency medicine and director of an ER. And then my business partner in that ER business uh, passed away in 1994 of metastatic kidney cancer when he was only 32. And at that point, I decided there was more to health than just patching people up in the ER and handing out prescriptions. And so I uh, opened a really small office practice to do integrative medicine. I took the UCLA medical acupuncture course for physicians. I moved to Cleveland in 96, and um, now we have 13 employees. And I'm always proud to say we've had patients from 18, all 50 states and somewhere around 18 to 20 countries that have come to our little clinic in Cleveland to get well and leave behind their pharmaceutical drugs. That is truly amazing. So it's all holistic, all natural medicines. For the most part, I mean, on, on you know, the only prescriptions we really write are things for thyroid. You know, we, we have about a third of our practice are thyroid patients because they're never treated appropriately, in our opinion, by conventional medicine. So we use all the varieties of different, the different types of uh, thyroid medications. Sometimes it's compounded uh, thyroid, thyroid medicine. We use Armour Thyroid, Nature Thyroid, Restroid, Tyrosint, Synthroid, Cytomel. We use them all because we don't believe in one-size-fits-all medicine. And sometimes things just work better for others. And I would say on the very rare occasion, we might write for an antibiotic when our natural things really haven't worked or we're more concerned because of appropriate reasons. See, I really feel like all the natural stuff that we do, that should be your primary care of treating people, nutrition, lifestyle, supplements, homeopathy, exercise, water, prayer, all of those things should be primary. But we still should have a backup pharmaceutical program. But so that, you know, the pharmaceutical program of writing prescriptions, that should be the alternative medicine. <laughs> that should be, the, that should be the, the, the fallback that if other things aren't working, we should be grateful that we have those things because sometimes we just need them. I mean, sometimes you really need to put a tourniquet around a bleeding artery and get things under control with pharmaceuticals until you can work underneath that to restore their health and then take the pharmaceuticals away. And Absolutely. that's much what we do. Absolutely. That's, I think it's amazing. I really do. So what, what made you passionate about vaccines? Well, I went to the, in, in September of 2000, I got a flyer in the mail to go to the National Vaccine Information Center meeting in Washington, D.C. And every time I went to throw that flyer away, it ended up back on my kitchen counter somehow. And so, <laughs> so, so I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. Maybe there's somebody, some person I'm supposed to meet there. And so I even called, they went so far as to call NVIC and say, when's your next seminar? I don't think I can come to this one. And they said, well, we're a small nonprofit. We may not ever have another one. It's like, okay, well, I guess I have to go. So when I went to that meeting, I sat through four days of listening to scientists and attorneys and medical doctors and parents and parents of vaccine injured children, parents of unvaccinated kids talking about how healthy they were or parents that had one child that was severely injured and their other children were unvaccinated and telling their stories about, it seems like they were two different families. So after four days of being at that meeting, I came home and I said, 
how did I miss this? You know, I grew up in a chiropractic family. I was not vaccinated as a child. You know, we got not, neither with any of my cousins or my cousin's kids or any of us. And so it was never on my radar screen. And even when I was a full-time ER doc, I mean, other than giving tetanus shots away like they were some special kind of candy, you know, everybody got one. A little bit, a little bit was good, more was better, wasn't going to hurt anything. Boy, I've come a long way since then. Um, I had never really thought much about it. But when I came home from that meeting, it was like, you know, I've been a, a practicing physician at that point for 15 years. I'd had my own clinic at that point for almost five years. And I thought, you know, maybe I ought to look into this. Maybe there's something to this. Where, where should I start? Well, I guess I'll start with the CDC documents. They're supposed to be the experts on this stuff. Let's start there. So I started with the general recommendation of vaccinations. It was the 1998 version, and they come out with one of those about every three years. And I read that paper, and I said, this can't be it. I mean, at the time, it was an $8 billion industry. It's now a $62 billion industry. But at that time, it was like $8 billion. And I thought, there's got to be something more to it than that, because this is really a, really a junk piece of paper. And, and so maybe I'd investigate a little bit more. Well, that investigation turned into 20-year odyssey of investigating problems with vaccines. And I've spent more than 40,000 hours reading only peer-reviewed medical journals and taking a deep dive into the science and, and, and watching for their manipulative language, even in the scientific papers. And I, I kept, it was almost, it became almost like an addiction. Like the more I read, it's like, this can't be it. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And the deeper dive I took into the rabbit hole, the farther I went into it, the more I realized that there's nothing here that makes sense. There is nothing that substantiates injecting children and adults with foreign matter and somehow scamming people into thinking that's good for them. And, each, and I kept thinking sooner or later, if I read enough, if I went deep enough into the rabbit hole, if I pulled a study that had 20 references and then I pulled all the references to that study and pulled those references and kept going deeper and deeper and deeper, sooner or later, surely I would find something that made sense. And I can, that's why I can stand pretty solidly on 20 years and 40,000 hours of investigations and say that with all conviction that vaccines have never been tested for safety, they are not safe that they do not keep you from getting sick. So this whole idea of efficacy is scientific mumbo jumbo and that they definitely cause harm and that most of the vaccines, parents and adults are taking on all risk with no benefit. Right, so you mentioned manipulative language and you mentioned the word efficacy. What other manipulative language are they using to push vaccines? Oh, well, let me see. There's some really, I mean, they, they will say things like um, placebo that we used to put a double-blind placebo-controlled trial, but then you find out that the placebo, by definition, is supposed to be something that's totally inert. And we find out in the clinical trials, it's not anything inert, it's probably another vaccine. Or, as in the Gardasil trials, a shot of aluminum. So, and since Gardasil has aluminum in it, and they used a shot of aluminum as the placebo, they, and then they come out with the conclusion that the Gardasil vaccine has the same side effects as the placebo, well, Yes, because they're both shots of aluminum. And so those are some of the manipulative things. And efficacy, we learned that efficacy, the definition of efficacy means a, 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 completing an intended outcome. So something is effective if you, if you tried to do something and it accomplished something. Well, when it comes to vaccines, yes, they are effective. They inject foreign matter with the intention of developing an antibody, which they do. But then the caveat is, how much antibody do you need? And does any of the antibody that's generated by vaccines do anything to keep you from getting sick? And the answer is no. 
I mean, you can get some level of maybe cross-reactivity protection, but here's the thing, is that you can get any one of the vaccines, the full series, and still contract the illness, and that includes tetanus. So are you taking on all risk and very little, if any, benefit? And so then you hear about things like, um, like five people, well, five children died in the study. And then study investigators concluded it had nothing to do with the vaccine. So with the stroke of a pen, poof, those five babies didn't have anything to do with the injected foreign matter that got injected into them. And so those are just a few examples of how their manipulative language. And once you start seeing the pattern, it's sort of like, you know, those games that you play with your kids that there's like a picture and you're supposed to find the picture in the picture. Like yeah. There's a picture you're supposed to find the donkey or you're supposed to find the book. Then the next time you look at it, you always see the donkey in the book. Well, that's sort of the way once you've read enough scientific literature, you start, all these patterns start showing up and you see it everywhere, everywhere. Wow. That's, that's terrible. Especially I'm so passionate about children as I know you are, you know, they don't really have a say so, you know, so how can parents, you know, inform themselves about vaccinations? Well, the very first thing that they should start doing, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give a, a, um, um, a, uh, a, 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 uh, an, unfor an, an unforgiving plug to my own boot camp course. <laughs> Go for it. Go so, for it. <laughs> so people should say, because we've done all the work for you. And our business, it's, our online business is called Courses for Mastery. Courses, the number four, mastery.com. And we've done a lot of the work for you. So we do a twice a year boot camp. It's an eight-week boot camp. We just finished, in fact, uh, tonight is the last week of our spring boot camp. The next boot camp enrollment is in September. If you want to get in more information about it, join it for our email list. Go to vaxter.com, V-A-X-X-T-E-R.com, and sign up for our email list. We do an eight-week intensive online boot camp course where we cover safety, efficacy, smallpox, polio, herd immunity, how to read a package insert, the ramp-up of the schedule. And then in between all of that, we give you language training on how to communicate this in a way where you, where you don't have heat, where you don't lose friends, where you can stay civil, where you can protect yourself online. We have online security classes. We have internet security classes inside of the boot camp. So we do that. And then there's Vaccine U that we've created. It's, VA, it's vaccine, the letter U.com, where, where we have individual courses on individual vaccines. Like we have a course on Rogam, and one on vitamin K, and one on vaccines in pregnancy, and one on, um, there's, there's a whole series we're doing now about vaccine development, which is part of the political politics. And so, and hopefully, you know, knock on, knock on wood, with any kind of luck, I'll have what, all of the courses, a, a course module for each one of the vaccines. I, I, I was going to say by the end of the year, I think it'll probably be more like spring of next year, because there's so many moving parts going on right now. And we have a vaccine research library. It's called the Tenpenny Research Library, where we have more than 11,000 hand-selected articles from only peer-reviewed literature, where you can go in and search for all of the stuff you're looking for on peer-reviewed literature and problems associated with vaccines. And that the library is completely free. All you have to do is just register and get a, a password, and get, you know, confirm your password, and you can go in and search to your heart content. And I have a full-time researcher that we're adding anywhere from 11 to 20-some articles every single week from the mainstream medical literature. So we've done all the research for you. And so I would say that, you know, our, our whole goal is to be able to take all this voluminous information that's out there. And it, it's, it's endless. It goes on forever. And use all of my years of study and my years of experience to boil it down into bite-sized pieces for parents, for activists, for people who are just interested 
for um, you know healthcare professionals. We have tons of nurses that have gone through our practice. We've even had a, a lot of chiropractors, even a few MDs that have gone through it. And so we want to take this big body of information and boil it down into bite-sized pieces so you can make it usable in your tribe, in your world, to teach people that, that vaccines are, are something that's to be avoided. Absolutely. I love how blunt and bold you are about that. And I highly recommend that people sign up for this course. I'm going to definitely put it in the show notes. I'm going to look into it myself because it's great to be informed. Now, I wanted to ask you, what's in a vaccine? <laughs> well, well, every vaccine is different. None of them are safe. You know, I, back in the days when I was still an ER doc and I was still giving out tetanus shots like they were candy, like I mentioned, <laughs> you know, I think every physician thinks that the only thing that's in a vial, a vaccine, is a, a, a little bit of attenuated or weakened virus or a little particle of, of bacteria and some sterile water. I mean, that's it. I mean, what else do you need? Why can't you just have a weakened virus or a, what they would call a dead virus? And they usually weaken them either with formaldehyde or some other chemical, or they can irradiate them and just put it in with a little bit of sterile water or sugar water and inject it and get some antibodies and be done. But that's really not the case. I mean, every single vaccine has, a, 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 has something in it that's egregious. They can either have formaldehyde, polysorbate 80, which can cause infertility in female mice and, and can cause sterility in male mice, can have tons of aluminum, have lots of, of uh, the multi-dose flu shots still have mercury in them. We can have um, Tritonex 100, which is a detergent that when it's injected into the body, breaks down to ethylene oxide, which by Prop 65 in California needs to be listed as a known carcinogen. There's stray viruses in vaccines, and we know that in the flu shots, there's two viruses that can actually activate breast cancer genes. We know that some of the vaccines are made from animal tissue. So there's some of the vaccines have DNA from, from cows and from chickens and from insects. Most of the vaccines have uh, blood from fetal bovine serum in them. And there are several vaccines that are made from cells of aborted fetal tissue, human fetal tissue. And they also, those would be chickenpox, shingles, hepatitis A, and rubella. And rubella is part of the MMR vaccine. And so those are the ones that are made from cells of aborted fetal tissue. And there's also serum albumin in there that we can make, human albumin that we can make antibodies to that can cross-react through molecular mimicry and start causing autoimmune diseases in our own bodies. So what's coming through that, ne that needle out of that vial is absolutely vile. <laughs> and in fact, on Vaxter, I've written a couple of articles called the, Dis in a, it, it was started a series that I need to complete. It's called the Disgusting Stuff Series. I mean, the disgusting cow stuff in vaccines, the disgusting chicken stuff, the disgusting egg stuff, the disgusting human stuff. I mean, the, and, and then it's all fully re referenced and footnoted in, in, on Vaxter in our, on our news site. That's terrible. Like, why would you want to put that in a vaccine? Well, I don't think that's, it's like intentionally putting it in vaccines. It's not like you, it's not like baking cookies. <laughs> if you pull off these ingredients and you end up with chocolate chip cookies, it's not quite like that. Right. But, but various chemicals are used to deactivate the, the viruses. Um, they use some neomycin, which is an antibiotic, because um, if they're using, making a vaccine that, that is based from bacteria, and they have to grow it in animal tissue. Well, the animal tissue is contaminated, so they have to put antibiotics like neomycin and gentamicin, which are terribly kidney, kidney toxic, into vaccines to kill off the bacteria. So they, they're trying to make it as, I don't know, 
sterile, and I use that in air quotes, sterile as they possibly can, but traces of all of those things are still in there. In fact, when I learned there are about nine different types of cow blood in vaccines, and how I figured that out was that I was creating a table where I put the names of all the different products, all the different vaccines across the top, across, it was in a spreadsheet. And then down the left-hand column, I was putting the list of all the ingredients as I was reading them off the package insert. And you would see things like cow blood, um, bovine serum, fetal bovine serum, infant bovine serum. And I thought, you know, there must be something different between each one of those different kinds of serum, or they would just call it cow blood and be done with it, right? right. So when I started doing the investigation of each of those different types of cow serum that ends up that they use in vaccines, and they use it because it's, it has a lot of protein in it. And each one of the, um, they come in little bags, they look like IV bags of like 250 cc's or maybe a thousand cc's in a, 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 a fetal um, bovine serum. And every one of those are completely different. There are more than 18, there are more than 1800 different proteins that have been found and more than 4,000 different active proteins because it depends, that's a baby cow that they sucked all the blood out of. And so it depends on the, and while it's still alive, in utero, in the mother's womb, in the cow mother's womb, they suck it out while the baby's still alive. It's very disgusting. Very. I, I don't understand why PETA isn't all over this, to tell you the truth. I know. And, and, so, and so they, but, but a lot of that, the health of that fetal bovine serum that comes out of that, that fetal cow depends on the health of the mother. And the genetics of the mother and the mother then the genetics of the mother and the father and what did that mother eat that went into so every single vaccine that has fetal bovine serum in it is an absolute experiment and every human is an individual with individual genetics and epigenetics and different food so the the experimental vaccine it's not standardized every single vaccine is an experiment going into an, a unique human being and so by Forcing that and requiring mandatory vaccination, every single one of those things is an experiment, which means every time you do not have an opportunity to say no, it's a complete violation of the Nuremberg Codes, the Declaration of Helsinki, and the Bill of Rights in the International Medical Society. So mandatory vaccination violates all kinds of laws and, and, and internet, I guess they're not laws, they're international standards of human experimentation. And so this push to push forward mandatory measles vaccines and pertussis vaccines, and now the, the COVID-19 vaccine that they're developing is absolutely a, a complete violation of human rights. And that's why I love having you on here because I'm always fighting for human rights, especially, you know, me being Aboriginal Indigenous, it's always a fight for human rights, you know, but that's another topic. But anyway, so in terms of the mandatory vaccine, how could someone avoid getting a mandatory vaccine? It's gonna become more and more and more difficult. The only way that we're going to be able to, because they've already started passing various laws around the world. I mean, Argentina's had a law in place in the last at least three years, it may be a little longer than that now, where you could not get a passport or renew your driver's license without a completed vaccination record. They've already passed adult, mandation, mandate, um, adult vaccination requirements in Amsterdam. Um, I heard just in the last couple of days that they've been, they passed something in Belgium. 
Um, and I think, and I've been saying for a really long time, once they started pushing mandatory vaccine laws here in the U.S., particularly when in 2015, when California rolled over to SB 277 and lost their right to refuse, and then New York lost their right to refuse, and then Maine lost their li their life to refuse right to refuse, and now they're pushing hard in New Jersey, and and it just is like dominoes going across our country. Is that my biggest concern was that you know by our constitution and by the delegate what is what is not explicitly defined in our American Const constitution, it's delegated to the states, and so vaccination rules are at a state level. That's why we have three different kinds of exemptions. We have medical exemptions in all 50 states, which are increasingly difficult to get, um, almost impossible. Um, we had religious exemptions in all states except Mississippi and West Virginia. Now we need to add California, New York, and as of 2022, Maine. And so they're trying to take away our religious exemptions. And then there's, I believe, 16 states that still remain. And I'm in Ohio, and thank God we still have our philosophical exemption intact in Ohio. I think Connecticut does too, don't you? Don't you still have a philosophical, or did you, you see you have a religious exemption? I think so. I would have to look. And so what my concern has been for the last, since 2015, is that, you know, our entire body politic has bought, been bought and paid for by the pharmacia. And pharmacia is the root word of pharmaceutical industry and pharmacy and, and pharmaceutical and pharmacia, it means the sorcerers. It's a, it's a Greek word for sorcery. Yep. And, that, and we are absolutely controlled by the sorcerers now. And all of our, pharma, all of our senators and, and representatives have their pockets lined with all that money. And so my concern has been is that sooner or later they would say, you know, we're so sick and tired of fighting all of these bills on all 50 states because all these parents show up and it just makes us look bad. And so, if we, and so what we're going to do is we're going to roll this up to the federal level and make it be a federal mandate that everybody has to be vaccinated. They've floated that bill three times now. Most recently was, I believe, two years ago out of Florida. And they had 17 co-sponsors on the Vaccinate American Children bill. And all of them were Democrats, except one. And they tried to move that forward and to get that passed, which thankfully it got no traction. But now with this pandemic and this absolute nonsensical nothing burger virus that's been going on, um, I, they have reason because they keep talking about all these press, you know, these presser conferences about it's coming, it's coming, the vaccine's coming. And then you hear Bill Gates and Fauci and all the nefarious stuff that they're doing and how they want just to have these cards, these little, these cards that say that, you know, we're clean, we have no virus. <laughs> oh, well, guess what? You might misplace that little card. And so why don't we just like put a little chip right underneath here for you so that you never have to be without your vaccination card. And you know that money that you're using, that paper money and those coins, that's just dirty stuff. And it's probably passing viruses everywhere, even though we've had money since the Roman Empire and probably before that, probably during the time of the physicians, right? Long time ago. But now they've decided we can't do that because they've been pushing for a cashless society for a long time. So we'll just put that in there too. We'll just put that little number in there, then you never have to worry about it. And so this is what is coming. And so to long-winded answer to your question, how do we avoid that? By everybody who listens to this and all of the podcasts and all of the radio shows that I've been doing, I've done like 20 in the last like 11 days, I think. And so, um, and I have many, many more lined up, thankfully. I mean, people that listen yes. to your show and other shows, then they call up and say, hey, come on my show. And I'm more than willing to put in the time to get people educated because unless we all stand up now, and not only say no, but hell no, we can't, we're not going to be able to avoid it. 
we're just not. Yep, I love the hell no. This is unfiltered, so I see a lot of <laughs> a lot of expletives on here. <laughs> well, I feel a little bit like Noah. You know, I feel a little bit like you know Noah. But for you know how many years Noah kept saying it's going to rain. I'm telling you, it's coming. I'm telling you, it's going to rain. Get prepared. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And everybody's like, Nah, it's not raining. We haven't had rain in forever. You're just like crazy, Noah. And then suddenly, not only does it rain, it floods. And as the, as, the, as the doors coming up and closing, you know, all these people are suddenly trying to wake up and get involved when they should have been involved for the last 20 years, or at least the last 10 years. I've been doing this 20 years. I haven't hidden it underneath a rock. You know, I haven't been really quiet about it over here somewhere. I've been as vocal about this for the last 20 years as I am with you right now, right. because I've said in my lifetime, this industry needs to stop. We need to have a complete moratorium on the entire vaccine industry because it's not safe. It doesn't keep you from getting sick. And they are creating customers for life from every single person that gets one of those shots, every single one. And the, the pharmacia cannot continue to practice sorcery and, and to promote a $1.3 trillion industry across 7.7 .7 billion people on the backs of healthy, unvaccinated humans. Can't happen. Right. Do you think this is ever going to stop with the vaccines? Well, I think we're closer to it now than we ever have been. I kept saying for at least the last 10 years, when's the 100th monkey going to show up? Right. And all of the studies have shown unequivocally that when you really try to change a, a, a major paradigm in a population, whether that population is 100 people or a million people or 7 billion people, it only takes somewhere around 11%. We don't need everybody. Let's, let's make the number simple. Let's say 10%. Okay. So if it's 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet, and let's say 5 billion of them are adult age. So 10% is 500 million worldwide. I mean, seriously, we should be able to do that. And have people suddenly stand up and say, no, no, we're not doing this. We are not going down the Gates Foundation nonsense. We are getting away from World Health Organization, Gavi, UNICEF, CDC, FDA, um, NIH, all of these very small, like tiny little numbers of people at the top that they're pulling their little puppet strings and making us all dance to. People need to wake up and know what's coming through that needle. They need to know that, need to stop being afraid of a fever, a cough, a rash, and some diarrhea. And yes, this coronavirus, may, some people may have died, but guess what? People die of influenza. They die of pneumonia. They die of tuberculosis. They die falling off a ladder and breaking their neck. They drive like, in, you know, in a motorcycle accident and they don't have on a helmet. They drive in car accidents, for heaven's sakes. And we don't like, we, oh my gosh, look at how many people died last weekend on highways just in Ohio. We need to ban cars. Ban cars. They could kill people. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's like crazy making. It's like people need to wake up. They yeah. need to get, they need to get the, the propaganda out of their brain. Right. In fact, I saw a meme the other day. I, I, I think it was on Instagram because I do. A, I'm very busy on Instagram. People can follow me at Dr. Tenpenny. It's D-R. T-E-N-P-E-N-N-Y, just like it sounds, Dr. Tenpenny on Instagram, and Busy Dr. T, Busy D-R-T, Busy Dr. T on, on, um, on Twitter. Um, and Facebook is, is just vaccine info. And, but we don't, Facebook isn't as active as where we are in Twitter and Instagram. But I saw this meme, it said, turn off your television, it's spreading coronaviruses. <laughs> and I thought it that is. was, it was so true. Like, stop, cease, desist, stop, quit being afraid of a fever, a cough, and a rash. Stop it. Just stop. What can, um, what was I going to say? How long does a vaccine stay in the body once, once you get it? The longest, well, well, let me see. How long does a vaccine stay? Forever. Yeah. Wow. 
once you vaccinate, it's my opinion, you cannot vaccinate. You can make yourself a little bit more healthy, but once you've injected that foreign matter into a muscle, and then it's picked up by macrophages, white blood cells, and disp dispensed in various places like bone marrow and across the blood-brain barrier into the brain and into the cupper cells in your liver. I mean, can you really, really ever get those chemicals out? I don't know. You can, you know, you can make yourself healthier. You can do lots of detoxes and cleanses and all these things that people do. But does it ever really go away? I, I don't think it does. I think you, homeopathy can help. Homeopathy can help with your miasms and help with that. But does it ever go away? Um, in my opinion, I say not. Now, I'd be happy to be wrong if somebody's got some proof otherwise. Uh, but I think it's once you vaccinate, you can't unvaccinate. I really think that's the reason I've been sick from a child up until adulthood, like almost lost my life many times because I was vaccinated as a child, you know, didn't know better, was just like, oh, that's it's supposed to help you prevent illness. And I do think that's because of that. Yeah, well, we've done, a, that's what a part of our boot camp is all about, is training people to understand what has come through that needle. And it's like cease and desist, stop, do no more. I mean, I get this question sometimes, and I'm not exactly sure why. But I've had parents who said, I started to vaccinate my child. Is it okay to stop? And it always like hits me kind of like, well, if you've been kicking your dog, is it okay to stop kicking your dog? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, your dog would really appreciate it if you stopped kicking him, right? right. I mean, your child would really stop, would really appreciate it if you'd stop injecting them. And I don't know if some of the thought process is, it's like, once you start, you have to keep, I, I, I've never, I've had that question for years. And I've never quite understood the intent, but I can tell you the answer is, is yes, it's okay to stop. It's okay to stop. <laughs> Definitely. So you refer to the pandemic as a plandemic. Can you go into more detail about that? Oh, well, yes. And, and actually when all of this stuff first started, and I, I think it's been 37 days in lockdown now, so it started a couple of weeks before that. So we're at almost two months of this stuff. And, you know, I've got a pretty big following, you know, I've got a big, pretty big following on social media and e our email list and things like that. And, and every, all my fans and fan base and, and, and people that we've, we've cultivated relationships for a long time have been saying, you know, Dr. Tenpenny, what do you think? Dr. Tenpenny, what is this? What is this? But I just chose to take a bit of a sit back 30,000 foot view and watch for a little bit. And it was about three weeks ago now, I wrote two articles that are both on Baxter that I hope everybody goes and reads. Part one is same playbook, different day. And I took this historical longitudinal look about SARS, bird flu, um, swine flu, and, and now we're doing the same thing with coronavirus, but yet we've decided to be more nefarious about it and shut down the entire global economy over a flu, a, a, a flu virus. <laughs> that is the, and there's 32 different uh, strains of coronavirus around has been around for 60 years, six zero years. And we've known forever that 20 to 40% of influenza-like illness in any given season globally is caused by a coronavirus. So when they started all of this testing, 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 it's like, so what are you really testing for? Are you testing for one of those 32 viruses that are out in circulation? Are you testing people to see whether or not they've had an infection somewhere in their lifetime and they have an antibody? Then they decided that they have more specific antibodies for the 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 uh, the, the uh, corona the SARS corona the, the SARS COVID-2 SARS COVID-2 which is the actual name of the virus 
and we're creating antibodies to that, but it's IgG versus, I've had it before. Do we really know how long this virus has been around? I mean, we've made a really big deal of it in the last 60 days. Has it been around longer than that? I think it has. In fact, I think I had that infection when I was in Europe last summer, in Greece. I was sicker than I've ever been in my life, short of breath, had to sit up to sleep, coughed until I thought my lungs were gonna come out, had boxes and boxes of Kleenexes sitting on the bed. I was in a hotel room for two weeks where I was supposed to be vacationing. And if it wouldn't have been for some extenuating circumstances, I probably would have traveled home. And I finally called a doctor at the resort to come and see me, which I would never do, but I didn't have my normal things with me, you know, that I would have at home. And it was about three weeks of really sick. And then I got home and it was about another six weeks of cough. And what really made me better was homeopathy and herbal medicine. It finally made it want to go, go away. But so that was in September of last year and I was in Greece. And so, and I've heard other people say they've had these horrible, do we really know on this, on this SARS COVID-2, which is the name of this particular virus, COVID-19 is the disease that that virus causes, meaning the fever, the cough, the sputum, the nausea, the shortness of breath. That's the disease process, which is really COVID-19, caused by this virus called SARS-CoV-2. And we use those two words like they're synonyms and they're interchangeable and they're really not. And so we don't know how long that virus has been around. It may have been around for 10 years for all we know. And then maybe it, you know, then was it really released from a lab? Was it an investigative thing? Had it been released slowly? There are so many unknowns about this and we will never know the real denominator. We'll never know how many people were really sick because a lot of people contract this infection and aren't sick enough to go to the doctor. They just stay home and they have a little cough. They think they've got some bronchitis. They take some C, D, and A, vitamin C, D, and A, and some herbal medicine and some homeopathy and they're fine. And that's why I believe why the stats are that 86 to 87 percent of people who actually contract this infection either have an uneventful asymptomatic event or a mild cough and they fully recover. Even people that are elderly and are really sick, they can fully recover. This virus is not like rabies. You know, rabies is uniformly fatal. And if you get rabies, you're probably going to die. I mean, like a 99% chance, even if you get the series of rabies vaccines, which is the only vaccine that I would advocate for, is a, is a rabies shot from a, if you've been bitten by a known or highly suspected rabid animal. Uh, not as a preventive, because it doesn't work as a preventive, but as a therapeutic vaccine, if you've been bit by a rabid animal. The rest of them are nonsense, all of them. And so what are we testing for? We don't know. And now we, now we need to get some sort of a, of a clean card that says that I've had this virus and I have an antibody that means nothing. And is it the antibody to the current virus, a past virus, some other virus that's out there? They think there's eight, eight different versions of the current virus. And it's an RNA virus that they've never been able to successfully create for humans ever. Humans die from this vaccine. So it's a political agenda at the very top of, uh, it's like Russian roulette, man, with the most dangerous political agenda to take the entire global economy to its knees, to its knees, drop oil to minus $35 a barrel. How can that be? I mean, this, even this little piece of paper has value. How can this piece of paper be minus pennies? How can it be, have, be worth something less than value, right? And, and drop everything to its knees for a big fat nothing burger, which is what I've been saying from the very beginning, from the very beginning. So what 
what else do you think um, Bill Gates, because I know I hear you talking about Bill Gates. What do you think his plan is? <laughs> um, um, his father was one of the, the founding eugenicists in our country. Mm -hmm. So the eugenics movement is part of it, which is depopulation. I mean, you know, the Georgia Guidestones, which I'm sure you've talked about in your show, you know, the Georgia Guidestones and the depopulation agenda is alive and well. And when Gates starts talking about we need to have complete liability protection for the Gates Foundation and for all of the pharmaceutical companies that are making this vaccine worldwide because we're doing it in such a hurry to save humanity, well, that all rolls off the back of the PREP Act, the 2005 PREP Act that was passed in the United States, which is the second article that I created on Vax and Baxter that says part two, that says never let a good crisis go to waste. And in 2002, we passed a, um, a, a bill was passed called the PREP Act. And the PREP Act put the, the 1986 Injury Compensation Program on steroids. And any vaccine, any drug, any biologic, any technology that's created when the PREP Act has been activated due to a national emergency, any one of those products has 100% complete liability protection, even if that product physically kills you. So if they create a vaccine and a thousand people get that shot and within a period of time, all thousand people die, there's zero recourse to that. You can't sue the drug companies, can't sue the government, can't sue the doctor, can't sue the hospital, can't sue the nurses. Your only potential recourse would be for those thousand people, family members of those thousand people that died to get together and to convince the U.S. Attorney General, which would be, you know, Attorney General Barr right now, right. that that was willful misconduct and the pharmaceutical companies created a product intentionally to kill you. Now, good luck proving that because the drug companies are going to go, hey, we just, you wanted a vaccine and we just, and you wanted it in a hurry. We're really sorry we didn't get to do any animal testing, any small range testing. We didn't get to do any follow-up testing for any long-term complications of this vaccine. We're sorry. We just did what you asked. That wasn't intentional. And they can take this vaccine all around the, it can cause, and any vaccine that's currently on the market has never been tested for sterility, for the ability to cause cancer, the ability to mutate your genes, the ability to cause multi-generational birth defects. No vaccine has ever been tested for any of that, and neither will this COVID-19 vaccine be tested for any of that either. So the real goal is to get rid of the population. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Either, either or, if, you're not, if we can't kill you off, then we want to make you a customer for life. <laughs> so we make you really sick with all these symptoms and side effects you have so that we can sell you more of our products and we can stuff you full of our widgets to control your symptoms. Right. What do you say to these people who are, oh, those anti-vaxxers, you know, they, they're against people who are against vaccines. What do you say to those people? Um, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. That's right. <laughs> so, and, and obviously your ignorance is showing, your absolute ignorance of the topic is showing. You have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. You, all you're doing is parroting the party line. You've not spent 10 minutes investigating any of the stuff I've spent 20 years of my life looking at. So, um, you know, our entire boot camp course is based off of sowing seeds. And we use the parable in the Bible called of, of the, sow, the sowing of the seeds. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I am. 
Yep. So just in case some of your listeners may not be, I mean, the, the, par- the parable of the sower in the Bible is the, the sower sows seeds. Some seeds fall on rocky soil and the birds pluck it up and go away. So that's the people, those, those pro-vaccine people that it's just like a waste of time to even talk to them. The, the seeds land on rocky ground and that's the end of it. And then it, the seeds might land on good soil and start to grow up, but then the birds come and pick at it and make it go away. So these are the people that, you know, my mother-in-law's a nurse or my father-in-law's a pediatrician and, oh man, I just can't, I, you know, I can't stand the heat. Then, so it starts to grow and it gets choked out. Then it, so it gets plucked away. And then it falls on another type of soil where it starts to grow and it's doing pretty well. And then it gets scorched by the sun and gets choked out by the weeds. And so it just doesn't have enough roots to grow. But then there is good soil. The seed goes into good soil that grows up and bears fruit. So the moral of the story is, is that you never know which little piece of fact, which little seed is going to land on good soil. You never know where the good soil is. And even when you get a good seed in good soil, you really never know how long it's going to take for that seed to sprout. But sooner or later, it will. So our job and what you're doing with your podcast and what other people are doing by allowing me a platform to share this information is just, we're like being Joanna Appleseed. It's not our responsibility to make those seeds sprout. And every time in the last 20 years that I've gotten really pissed off and really mad because how much more information do these people need to get through their thick heads? Every time I get really mad, I realize I've, 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 I've stopped being a seed sower and I've tried to make that seed sprout. That's not my job. My job and your job and everybody else who does this, their job is to sow seeds because sooner or later, enough good seeds are going to fall into good soil that we're going to build an entire army to stand up and say, not only no, but hell no, right? Exactly. Hell no. (laughs) Hell fucking no. (laughs) (laughs) You go, girl. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So do you face any backlash from like people in the medical community? I think they've learned to ignore me over the years. (laughs) I, I mean, I think they, mar- they either marginalize me and go, oh, it's her, you know, or they, or they, just, or they just ignore me. I mean, because I've, ve- I've never once verved, um, varied from my message. My message has always been vaccines are not safe. They don't protect you. They cause harm. And we need to stop this industry. In 2001, I was in uh, Dr. Stephanie Cave's kitchen in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Stephanie was one of my early mentors in this. And she said, you're so on fire about this, Sherry. What do you want to see happen to this? This was 2001. maybe." Two, and I said, I, in my lifetime, I want this industry to stop. I want it to go away. It was based, even from Jenner, it was based on, in smallpox, it was based on lies, false premises, no science, or really sloppy science, no proof of any kind. Just, it's just a 200-year, multi-generational propaganda. It's based on nothing. And what we are doing is causing so much more harm than it's, it's all risk and no benefit, all of it. And so it's time for it to stop. I mean, other industries have stopped and gone away. I mean, we stopped doing bloodletting and leeches and, you know, we, you know, when things stop working, we don't do them anymore. We don't have dial-up phones very much anymore. I mean, we, we all kinds of industries we can talk about that things advanced and got better and they went away. It's time for this one to get better and go away. Yeah, I agree. Too many people um, in danger of the vaccine. I did want you to go into um, the vitamin K vaccine for babies. Is that a mandatory vaccine? No, and it's not even a vaccine. It's just a shot that they give because some kids may end up with hematomas. We have a whole course on that. So that's a really long topic. And if people want to know about the two topics that come up a lot that people want to know more on is vitamin K and one is on Rogam. 
And if people go to vaccine you, vaccine the letter u.com, you can get an entire course. I think it's, it's $39 for, for vitamin K. Each one of the courses are $39 and you have lifetime access to it. You can go back and listen to it over and over again. You have all the supporting documentation from peer reviewed literature, PDF files that you can download. But if you go to vaccine you, vaccine the letter u.com, and you can, you can look at uh, vitamin K and Rogam and pertussis and Gardasil and all of those are out there. Okay. And yes, I did mean to call it a shot, not a vaccine. <laughs> but yes, any, um, any closing advice for people who are dealing with this pandemic? Any advice that you could give anybody? Um, take your mask off and revolt. <laughs> did I really say that? Yeah. I mean, seriously, now that's probably of your entire thing. Somebody will clip that out and send it all over social media, I'm sure. But I'm, I've been really supportive of, of these protesters that have been saying, you know, open up Ohio, open up Michigan, open up Wisconsin, open up the, our states. I mean, we, we are being devastated here. I heard um, our, our gal, I was listening to talk radio yesterday and this gal called in and she said, look, I'm opening my business. I, 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 have, to, I have a mortgage, I have a car payment. I've worked really hard for lots of years to uh, build up my credit score. I am not going to let the government shut this down and allow me to not make money like this whole social distancing nonsense that has now become part of our lexicon. It's become part of our language. It's going to be there forever. The propaganda that went into our brain in terms of cognitive dissonance and for the social distancing, because humans are social animals. They like to hug, they like to kiss, they like to high five. They like to like pat each other on the back when something's going really well. You know, when somebody's grieving, they wanna be able to walk up and hug somebody and comfort them. And they're taking that away from us over nothing. They never said, they never did an experiment where they had somebody cough and see how far their sputum went. Right. And, if, and, and, and you think if I sneeze, it's not gonna go past six feet? <laughs> Seriously, we've, we've flown in airplanes, we've been in, in subways, we've been in cars forever. And when people fly on, on an airplane for 12 hours, you don't see people walking out of the jetway and falling over dead because they sat next to somebody who may have had a cold. I mean, seriously, people, put your common sense hat back on. Take off your mask and put your common sense hat back on. Go back to work. Tell the government to stop interfering with your business. Get, get back open. Have, feed your, you know, if you've got a restaurant, get back into business, do your construction work, start doing gardening, you know, get back into retail, whatever it is that you're doing, the government has taken this away from you. And we, and I'm telling you, when they started doing this, I thought, you know, there's the, the, the top pinnacle of people at the top who have made these decisions have never, ever signed a paycheck in their life and yeah. know what they have just destroyed in people's lives. And they probably are sitting back and putting their feet up on their desk and smoking their cigars going, man, it only took three weeks to shut down the entire world, man. 7.7 .7 billion people turned into sheep like that. Yep. Over nothing. Over nothing. And I said that from the beginning. All this stuff, look over to the right. Look, 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 look over here. Virus, pandemic, pandemic, shut down your business, stay home, no church, no congregation, no going to bars, no dating, no nothing. When the real actions happen over here. And we're wanting to get rid of Trump. We want to shut down the economy. We want to eliminate the middle class. We want to vaccinate everybody. I mean, the main message is being ignored over this other stuff. And so I, I would give anything to be able to have, be able to say what you and I are talking about right now and the biggest, yeah. largest audience ever, because people have got to stand back and go, wait a minute, why did, why did I let this happen?
And if you don't take charge and do something to it now, what are your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, if you even have them, right. if they're even going to be born with all these vaccines that may make them in, uh, sterile, wow. are they going to spit on your grave and say, what was more important, going to your yoga class? You know, like, what was more important, walking your dog, that you didn't stand up and rebel against this? And how easy it was for people to just go be so fearful yeah. and so afraid. It's the biggest tool ever. And I, I just, I, I want to say this in the most incredible way. I mean, what I've been telling people is, I think that maybe this is an opportunity that God gave us an opportunity to go to a full stop globally for a period of time to get our houses in order, our physical house in order. I mean, like fill in the gap. If I only had time, I would do X, fill in the blank, like clean out the closet, clean out the garage, get interested in my genealogy, learn how to knit. All those pictures I have of vacations in boxes, I would put them into books. I would do a, the thousand piece jigsaw puzzle that's been sitting there forever and I would do it with my kids. I'd start to have great conversations with my spouse, my spouse or my significant other again about topics that matter and not about what the sports scores are. I mean, get your physical house in order, clean it up, like clean out your closets, get it ready. Get your physical house your, that you live in. Get your body in order. You know, clean things up. Get rid of all the, clean out your, your cupboards and get rid of all your old expired food. Get rid of all the, the, the high fructose corn syrup junk. I mean, get, you know, get your freezer full of really good stuff that you can live on going forward in the future. Get your physical house, your abode in order. And get your spiritual house in order. I mean, get real with God and, 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 and get into that place of your intent and spirituality of what God means to you. Because we've got big battles ahead, all of us on this planet. And if we aren't ready of where we live, if ready in our physical body, if we're not ready in our spiritual house, <clears throat> excuse me, for the next <clears throat> several years, um, we just shoot, sleep to slaughter. Just shoot to sleep, sleep to slaughter. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to be able to survive it. And maybe this, you know, make, take those lemons and make lemonade. I mean, the planet's cleaning up. We don't see any chemtrails running around out there. We don't have all those nasty, dirty cruise ships like dumping trash in, in the oceans. <clears throat> the oceans are sort of cleaning up. The sky's cleaning up right now. I mean, spring and up here where we live, I live in Ohio. And so maybe if we look at this as a blessing and a time to get empowered and find out who our local tribe is that we can move forward and fight together with because we've got battles coming and even if they opened up the whole country tomorrow, that's, this isn't the end of it. And we've got really big spiritual battles. So I say to everybody, get right with God, like really get right with God and what you really, really, what that spirituality really means to you, because that is your most important armor. You know, I mean, it's your most important armor. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you so much for that message, Dr. Tim Penny. Thank you so much for being on the Avi Unfiltered podcast. You're welcome back anytime. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to rant. <laughs> yes, I love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank yes. you so much. That interview was amazing with Dr. Tim Penny. Extremely mind blowing and extremely informative. If you want to stay informed with Dr. Tim Penny, 
go to her vaccine website, www.vaxter.com, V-A-X-X-T-E-R.com. Her business website, www.courses4mastery.com with the number four. And her clinic in Cleveland, www.tenpennyimc.com. I will put as many of these links as possible in the show notes okay and if you want to keep up with her her facebook facebook.com slash vaccine info twitter busy dr t drt and v science bite bites okay so i will link that in the show notes and you can stay informed make wise choices next week it's a brand new episode have an unfiltered day and see you next week